0: shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this morning. We honor you that we are in your presence. We ask, Lord, that you speak to us. Put us aside, O Lord, and speak your word to us. May our lives never be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So we are speaking on explosions of revival, waves of glory. And the song that I just sang captures the spirit, and the uh, vibe in the message. There are three words that are spoken. There are three words that are heard when you want to talk, talk about revival. The first one is renewal. The second one is revival. And the third one is awakening. Now, revival or renewal is on the individual level. It is the newness and the freshness that comes to one that pushes him or her towards God, that gravitates him towards God, that draws him towards God. So an individual is renewed. And in Bible terms, when we talk about revival, we are talking about the workings of God and the move of God and the power of God be revealed to a community of people. So the church is revived. The individual is sort of renewed. And the church is revived. And when you talk about an awakening, an awakening extends to the society. So the revival is talking mainly about the community of believers. The saints of God who are revived. But when there's an awakening, it transcends, it crosses carpet, it moves beyond the church. The influence of the power, the influence of the glory, the influence of, 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 of revival transcends, spills over to the society such that the values of the church permeates the society and the society is never the same. So if you look at the historical accounts of the Azusa, Street revival, a man called William Seymour, praying for the Holy Ghost earnestly. The guy was not baptized in the spirit. He was praying for the Holy Ghost. He believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he was praying and he went to Los Angeles to preach. And whilst he was preaching and praying, people were receiving the gifts of the Holy Ghost. But he didn't have it. And he went into a 10-day fast in prayer. On the third day in the night, during an all-night prayer, the guy received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the the account is that there was wondrous workings of God which spilled over into the society. And and so it was very tangible that people could not stand it, that the people were being baptized in the Spirit all over. And that was an awakening that happened in the people. So there is a renewal, there is a revival, and there is an awakening. I want to speak shortly on the workings of revival. We are praying to God that as the thing says, we shall individually be renewed. And as a church, we shall be revived. And the spillover will go to the society. Listen, a church that doesn't influence society is not really alive. The evidence of life is in your ability to move and to affect people, to affect people, to influence people. So, the workings of the Holy Ghost, or of the, of the workings of revival. Number one, before revival shall break forth, there must, one, be an admission of the need for revival. Number one, there must be an admission for the need for revival. Before I go to that, let me, briefly, let me briefly explain or define what revival is. Mainly, revival is bringing back to life or improving. Something was dead and it's coming back to life. Something became lukewarm and it's coming back to life. Uh, number two... It's times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. There are specific times that God spills out his glory. God spills out his presence and people get refreshed. A period of refreshment from the presence of the Lord. Robert Coleman says that it is the quickening of God's people to their true nature and purpose. If The nature of man, the nature of Christians, the nature of saints and godly people are lost. Revival quickens God's people to their true nature and purpose. Richard Roberts says it is an extraordinary movement of the spirit with extraordinary results. I love this one. It's an extraordinary movement of the spirit with extraordinary results. And another one says it is a community saturated with God. And when we talk about saturation, we are talking about getting to a place where you cannot run away from the presence. Community saturated with God. All right. so going back to the workings of revival. Number one, what needs to happen? What needs to go on before revival will be seen? Is number one, you need to admit the need for revival and pray for it. Psalm 85 verse 6. A scripture that we read, it said, Will thou not revive us again? Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? So, David admits, he concedes, he realizes the need for revival. So, until you get to the place where you realize that, God, where I have gotten to, I need you. I need another shaking. I need another vibration in my life. I need your infilling. I need your overflow. I need you to come to me one more time. I need your super saturation in my life one more time. If you don't come to that admission or that realization, you will not receive revival. And I dare say that in these times and in these seasons in which we are, we need God to revive us. The world is stained with sin. It's becoming challenging the more to live as a Christian and until you get the overflowing presence of God you cannot stand the test of time and you will not scale through so number 1 you must admit recognize that there are places in your life there are aspects of your life that need a top up hallelujah and so you must admit that you need revival and pray for it number 2 you must admit the possibility of revival Acknowledge that if he did it before, he can do it again. Hallelujah. If God did it for Azusa, if he did it for William Seymour, if he did it for the Welsh, if he did it for Pentecostalism, you know, every great denomination's birth is preceded by a great move of the Spirit. So Pentecostalism was birthed out from the Azusa Street revival. So you must admit the possibility of revival. Number three, you must acknowledge God as the source of that revival. You must acknowledge God as the source of that. In, in Psalm 62 verse 5, David says, My soul waits down only upon God, for my expectation is from him. The Bible says that the endless expectation of the creature awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. And, and what you expect from God shall never be cut short. They that come to him must believe that he is. And he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek. If there is not a heart cry, if there is not a desire, you will not have that revival. So admit the need, admit the possibility, Acknowledge God as the source of that revival, and now the means of the revival is by intense prayer. Any time there is a revival going to break out, there must be an intense prayer. So, you remember we started with 21:31, and we've done a lot of prayer this year, and we are going to do come up higher, come up higher. It's a call for revival, a call to climb up to the mountain and receive it. And Moses, Moses had to separate himself and go to the mountain of Sinai. And when he prayed and he sought the face of God, God showed him his glory. And when Moses came down from the mountain, his face was saturated, super saturated with the presence that the people could not see. Is it possible for us to get to that place of prayer? Get to that secret place where we see God in the morning, we see God in the afternoon, we see God in the evening... We seek God in the middle of the night, at dawn. We will rise in prayer and earnest, test, desire and longing for God to supersaturate us with his glory. And when we step out, we will shine like the stars. Hallelujah. We need that to survive. So, you must go in intense prayer. The move of the spirit, Pentecostalism, was birthed out of prayer. It is very possible that in the 21st century, you'll be choked with the issues of life. The vicissitudes of life can shock you and prevent you from going to prayer. How many people nowadays go for 30 days? Go for 10 days. Go and hide somewhere and pray. It is not, it's virtually impossible. We leave ground But if you want to see revival, this team must not pass by without a revival. So Chairman proclaimed, he said that, oh God, do something new. Can we not have another Azusa Street? That's what Chairman says. We can't experience it. It will be back in the place of prayer, I tell you. If you are not praying like before, you need to go back. Into the place of prayer. Listen, there are charms and things walking, flying about though. in the office. There are many, many things. Girls are wearing things on their eyelashes on their e. Hey! They're going to Benin for lipo-lipo and lipstick and eyeshadow. Hey, hey, you need such saturation of God so that when they meet you, they shall flee. It is only in the place of prayer. I dare you to go to the secret place. I dare you to climb up. I dare you to go into your closets. Do you have a prayer room in your house? You have a four-bedroom house. You have a guest room, but you don't have a prayer room. God have mercy. Five-bedroom house, no prayer room. Teach them that when... When you wake up in the morning, you have to go and pray. In the afternoon, lunchtime, find some time to pray. That is a test and desire for prayer, for revival. So, intense prayer, explosion of the study of the Word of God, these are all requirements for revival. Now, five, the workings, there's a channel of revival. And we, the Christians, are the channels of revival. And we must lay in readiness to receive the revival of the Lord. Number six, to clear obstacles of revival. Sin, disobedience, right living with God is a prerequisite for the revival of God to come forth. Now, I finished with the workings of the revival. I've given you an operational definition. I've given you the workings of the revival. Let me go to the explosion of revival. There are explosions of revival and there are waves of glory. Revival starts with an ignition in one man's heart, individual hearts, a renewal in individual hearts. And when it it rises up like that, it is lighted. And the whole community becomes revived. There is combustible material inside you. The Spirit of God will be inside you. And all you need is a lightening up for it to rise. I like the song that says that father to child... Spirit to spirit. Lighted by your word. With your breath of life. I come alive. If you want to come alive again, you must receive the breath of God. If you want to be revived again, you must receive the breath of God. Let fire meet fire. Ojak and kojak. Hallelujah. I remember in the, in the story of Elijah, when the, they set the... the, the The altar. And they put water underneath it. And they put the wood there. And Elijah was calling forth fire. Fire came from under the altar. And fire came from on top of the altar. There was a collision of fires. And it was a boomerang. It was an explosion. I speak to your spirit, man. The fire and the power of God that resides in you. May it be lighted up by the fire of the Holy Ghost. And let there be a boomerang. An explosion of revival. It is that thing that takes over your entire being. You cannot stand it. Things will fall apart. The center cannot hold. Total boomeranging will be brought upon your life. It is the power of God at work in you. It is the saturation of God. It is the infilling and the indwelling of God. That tosses you up and makes you overflow. You overflow with glory. You overflow with power. You overflow with the presence of God. You overflow with his mighty works and deeds everywhere you go. Healings, deliverance, breakthroughs are the order of the day when you have an explosion of revival. May God touch you up one more time. If there is a prayer that we must pray, we are praying that God, touch me up one more time. Light me up one more time, flame me up again. Let me burn like never before. So the Pentecostal ourselves. the fire is burning in my soul. The streams of glory come upon you. May that come upon you in the name of Jesus. Let the fire of God come upon you in the name of Jesus. It's a fire for fire. Oja. I pray that if you go to, if you go to, if you go to um, Cape Three Points or you go to Takradi, tallow oil field, there's a lot of oil in the ground. And you will see a very tall, I don't know how they call that thing, tall thing. And there is fire on the top of that thing. How many of you have seen that thing before? Yes. The rig. But there's that tall thing that comes out at the end of the rig. And you will see fire on it. And the bonfire saying So that once you're walking, literally, fire will be oozing from your head. There is air inside you. It is deposited. The power of God is deposited. It may have been dimmed, but it is there. It will never go. The seed of God will never depart from your life. It is there. All you need is to light it up. In intense prayer, in the powerful study of the word, light it up. Tell your neighbor, light it up, light it up. Light it up, light it up. Light it up. Light it up. The combustible material and you must burn. It must burn and burn and burn. Let the light come forth, the light that gives life. So let's go to the evidence of revival. The evidence of the one revival breaks forth. When revival breaks forth, nobody tells you to pray. You pray yourself. You cannot help yourself but to pray. When revival breaks forth, nobody tells you to come to church. You come to church. Are you with me? When revival breaks forth, you don't only come to church, you only... You also find time to church in your room and in your house. When revival comes, break forth, there is deep Bible study. Number four, there's an insatiable testing for God. So when your test for God is reducing, it's coming down, then get to know that you are not really revived. You don't long to be in the presence of the Lord. David said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. If indeed you are revived, you must be thirsty for God. Nyame and entewo, is not enough. You don't feel thirsty enough for God. Evidence of revival, an insatiable testing for God. He comes for Midweek, comes for Tzopoyo, comes for Sunday service. He wants more of God, more of him, and less of the world. When there's a revival, one of the evidence is that you live a life based upon revelation. You don't make decisions based upon intuitions and on knowledge. You make decisions based on revelation. Another evidence is a strong evangelism. There is a strong answer. So we have done the Bible study. We have done the prayer. We must win souls and we must go out. And every revival from historical time, from biblical time, has been marked with intense evangelism. And that is where the awakening comes about. Because you move from a renewal to a revival to an awakening. There is Number seven, there is heaven-centeredness and not earth-centeredness. Your mind begins to go unto heaven and on the things of heaven. And you put down the earthly things. So that is the evidence of revival. Intense prayer, intense desire to be in the presence of the Lord. Deep Bible study, an insatiable testing for God. A life lived by revelation, strong evangelism. And heaven-centeredness. I'm going to the mystery, the mystery of revival. The mystery of revival. When revival breaks forth, it is ununderstandable. It is inexplainable. It is that influence in the Christian's life that you cannot understand. The more they put you down, the more you come up. The more they cast you down, the more you are lifted up. The more they plot against you, the more you rise up. So Daniel, when he was being plotted against and they wanted to persecute him in Babylon, Daniel would go into prayer on the three watches of the day. The morning, noonday, and late afternoon. And Daniel would pray and pray and pray. And they would seek to arrest him. And somewhere, somehow, Daniel will escape. They will will put an image there and they will say everybody should bow. Daniel will not bow. Daniel and his colleagues will not bow. And they will put into the lake of fire. A fairy furnace of fire. And there will appear a fourth man in the fire. That is mysticism. That is a mystery. So Daniel's life was epitomized by mysticism. And he was put in the lions den and, and the lions cannot and they will not chew him. It is out of order. It is out of place. It is uncommon, it is unusual that lions will see human beings and not chew them. It is uncommon That people will be in the fire and will be talking. It is uncommon that people will be in the fire and there will be a fourth person. It is uncommon that they will seek to arrest a man and they cannot. It is a misuse. And that takes me to the waves. There are waves of glory. There are waves of glory. I said there are waves of glory. There is a wave and there is a wave. When you look at the sea, when the sea is blowing, when the waves are blowing, when the waves are coming up, you will see one rising. It comes slowly and it rises again. And the one that follows after that rises bigger. And another one rises bigger. And another one rises bigger. And another one rises bigger. From wave to wave, from glory to glory, from one level of knowing God, And be saturated with His presence to another level. I pray that that shall be your portion; that you shall have an ever-increasing glory, you shall have an ever-increasing presence, you shall have an ever-increasing overflow, you shall have an ever-increasing power of God. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. Give me that scripture. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. I love this, Jesus, Jesus. I see. But we all, with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. From what? From glory. I didn't hear you. From what? From glory. One more time. From what? From glory to glory. Even us by the Spirit of the Lord. So it is the infilling, the indwelling, the overflow, the super saturation. Of the Spirit of God, that moves you from one glory to one another. May that be your portion in the name of Jesus. From glory to glory. From one place of his power and his presence. That they shall see you shining. You shine on one level, it's not enough. You go to another level. You shine on another level. One day it, that it is enough. You have had enough. You have, you have broken through enough. God breaks through with you again. I share. it is a mystery that a man be born of the Spirit and walk in it thereof. And nothing shall stand you. You are unstoppable. You are unmovable. You are unshakable. You are untouchable. That's not my anointed one. And do my prophet no harm. Hallelujah. I I pray that Jesus and the presence of God shall flow you. Listen, it is the Spirit of the Lord that floats you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It is that which floats you. So that no matter what comes at you, you are above sea level. (laughs) You are above it. You'll be floating with glory. Floating with glory. An ever-increasing glory. That is what I want you to get. An ever-increasing glory. From glory to glory. So, revival brings an outburst of God's glory. It brings an overflow of God's glory. It brings an overflow of God's glory. Hagar, chapter 2, verse 1. It says that the account is given of... The rebuilding of the temple. When the people went into captivity and they came back. And they saw the temple in ruins. And the glory of the temple had departed. Can you go forward? The glory of the temple had departed. That thing, that magnificent building that Solomon built. With all its power and its pomp, That the queen of Sheba had to travel and come and see. It lay in ruins. And Hagar says that who saw. I think it's in the verse 3. The temple in its former glory. Who saw the temple in its former glory? Who is left amongst you that saw the house? In its first glory. And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes? Go for it. No. Please go back. Go back. Is it not in your eyes as something little compared to the former? But this is where I like. You stay here. This is what I like. It said, for thus saith the Lord of hosts. Once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Go for it. And I will shake all the nations and they shall come to the desire of all the nations. And I will fill this temple with glory. There's a shaking coming for you. There's a movement from the sea, from the dry land, from everywhere. It shall work together for your good. And it shall end in the revelation of the glory of God. When they were dedicating the temple, they said the train of his glory filled the temple. May that be your passion in the name of Jesus. It is a wave of glory. I see a rising of glory for you. I see a lifting. Uh, and a wave. There's a wave coming for you, and that wave is bringing you a lifting. It is an evidence of your revival. I dare you to pray. I dare you to go to that place of prayer, and you will see it the wave, the wave, the wave, the wave. The wave, it will come for you. And Can we continue? It says, go for it. Can you go for it? The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. So if you have experienced a glory before in your life, I prophesy to you in the name of Jesus that a greater one is coming. You didn't say an amen. Amen. A greater one is coming. See, you may have seen the the power of God at work. You may have seen the might of God. But I want to tell you, these are the fringes. The glimpses. It is ephemeral. I am appropriate. Now you are going to the real deal. Tell your neighbor, you are now going to the real deal. The real deal. The real deal. You are going to experience such glory that you have ever seen in your life. We shall eat the meat of God's glory. We shall experience the fullness of God's glory if we go into revival, to the place of prayer, into an intense study of the word of God. Then revival will break forth. It must happen in your life. It must come to pass in your life. Hallelujah. A wave of glory. A wave of glory, a wave of glory. Nothing must choke your glory. Wearing of your bodies must not choke your glory. Circumstances. Second Corinthians four sixteen. Second Corinthians four sixteen. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm bringing my message to a close right now. Second Corinthians four verse sixteen. Jesus, help me, Jesus. Second Corinthians, chapter four, verse sixteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being what? Renewed day by day. Revival, renewal. Can we go on? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more, a far more, a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Ha ha, you didn't get that. Your light affliction, your current circumstance will cut under your trials, your pain, your heart aches. Your dilemma now is a light affliction. It is a light affliction. It is a light affliction which is working for you a far more greater weight of glory. Listen, it means that there are weights of glory. It is a far more greater way. And, and I, I pray that Uber Dues, to call, I call where it is worthier. The worthier glory. Listen, somebody can go into the presence of God and people could not look at his face. And God said, I will hide you in the cleft. And when my glory passes by, you will not die. And in that pass by, Moses came out and he had to veil himself and the Bible says that we now with unveiled faces. So when the veil is taken, the glory shines forth in its fullness. It is a weightier glory. May God give you the weightiest of his glories. Ah, I, I pray that such a weight of glory shall come into your life that it will spill out a favor favor on your behalf. That weight of glory that when people see you they can't tell what it is about you that people like that. People like that they also want to like. They just fall in love with you without any reason. So be to me, who will be saying I, I, I don't know why I just like him. It is a wettier glory. May that wettier glory come to you. I didn't hear your amen. May that wettier glory come to you. A your glory. It is not the glory of cats and chickens. It is not the glory of the sacrifice of bulls and horses. It is the glory that comes from the sacrifice of the eternal Son of God. Jesus Christ. Our redemptive Lord. But that is just the beginning. And on the day of Pentecost, they went to tarry, And they received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And that was a weight of glory. In the upper room. There was such a weight. That weight makes the difference in your life. Can I conclude with the remnants? The remnants of revival. I want to conclude with that. I don't preach for long. I don't like preaching for long. <laughs> My God. And I'm see me Psalm chapter 85, where we were. Is it 85? Let me just wrap this thing up and get out of your way. Verse 6, it says, Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? The first remnant, the first leftover, the first things that revival lives over is rejoicing. And so, when you walk in sorrow and sadness perpetually, you are not revived. The true revived spirit is that which experiences the fruit of the spirit called joy. And so, an unexplainable joy is as a result of the supersaturation of the presence of the Lord. So, you are going through a hard time, but you are rejoicing. That is a revived spirit. That is a revived spirit. Rejoicing is the first one. And then, when you go to the verse 7, it says, show us thy mercy, O God, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. So salvation is another evidence. Being saved, being delivered, being rescued. So deliverance is happening in revival. Salvation is the next one. The next one is that, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak what? Peace. So peace is another remnant of revival. So joy or or rejoicing, salvation and peace. And Jesus says, my peace I give unto you. It's the peace that the world cannot give. the peace that the world cannot understand. Peace to you. Peace to you. Let every storm that is risen in your life, receive peace. Let every activity that you are battling with, receive peace. If the wave comes, may it end in peace. Hallelujah. The glory of the Lord shall bring you peace. The presence and the power of God shall bring you peace. Eternal peace. It says what, number 9, verse 9. Surely salvation is now them that fear him, that glory may dwell in their house. Another glory is coming. Ten, mercy and truth. These are all evidences or remnants. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace are kissed together. Let's go to 13. I like the part about 13. I want to make a point there. It says, Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. So, when you are revived, you are set in the ways of the step. It is a default. You are set. You are pre programmed. You are automatically set in righteousness. It's a default experience from the revival. Okay, 11. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. So, these are about, I think, five remnants. Of the glory of the Lord. So, in closing, I want to speak to you. I want to tell you. I want to admonish you. I want to implore you on the basis of the word of the Lord that if you will rise up in prayer, if you rise up in intense study of the word of God, you will experience the revival of the Lord. That revival will permeate every aspect of your life and it will bring an awakening in your surroundings, and in your community. Son of man, can these bones live again? He says, yeah. Can this business get better again? Can this womb live again? May our faith rise and get us into the place of God's mercy. I am entering into a new wave of his glory. I shall be revived again. I will experience a heavier weight of his glory. I will move from glory to glory. God bless you.